everybody. Yes, welcome back to the number one sports podcast to listen to your most favorite, your most liked, and your most exciting. We chop it up. That's what we do. Welcome back to the Donald and Donald podcast. Double D. Barbershop Sports, baby. Coming at you straight off script because that's what we do. Give me your brand new, fresh look at the things you think you already know about that's happening in the sports world today. Let's pull up a chair and chop it up. I love it up. You know it. You're going to like it. It's nice. D, my man, let's start right here, baby. What's going on? That NFL coaching chess match of the head coaches, baby, is still being played. But we're going to start right here because we got some new head coaches in the NFC South. I'm going to start right here. Panthers. Who they pick up? Dave Canales. Did they get it right? Um, I'm trying to be neutral. I'm trying to be optimistic. You know, coming through it with a clear eyes view. Mm-hmm. Honestly, any head coaching job you pick up right now is a shot in the dark. Mm-hmm. Unless you get a Bill Belichick or a Jim Harbaugh who their win percentage and things like that speaks for themselves. They're, they're winners. All these other guys would be first-time head coaches. It's not like the Frank Reich situation where I can come in and say he's shown that he's a loser. It's not like that. Right. He's never gotten a chance. Um, but what I can say is his three, four-year stint of work with quarterbacks and where the Panthers is, it makes so much sense. Gotcha. He's led Russell Wilson to a career year, Geno Smith to a career year. This year, Baker Mayfield to a career year. And the one thing that I can say about that, we had Baker Mayfield last year. Didn't work, though. And he looked worse than he's ever looked before in the NFL. Is that because he didn't have an offseason? Because he came in at a at a strange time. He didn't, It wasn't regular. He came in kind of strange with the Bucks too. Yeah. He didn't come in. But he had a full offseason with the Bucks. He though. Had a, he had kind of we what we traded for in the offseason. So I don't – that's not an – for me, that's not like you got picked up like a Josh Dobbs or a Cam Newton. When he you was playing hit. football. Yeah, was, I got you. You was there. Right. You got some training camp. You got some practice. You got some of those off-season things. Whole preseason. You got those things in to lead into the game. I was there at the game one against the Cleveland Browns. Right, right. It looked it looked promising. You know what I'm And it just never came into fruition. It never developed into something sustainable. So, but you feel like right now that uh, this actually feels good to you on what the Carolina Panthers have done because you know it's been in the past. They ain't been getting it right. My thing is, with his quarterback work, yeah, it gives you something to be hopeful for because we understand our team depends a lot on what Bryce Young becomes. We see what he was first year. He is going to have to take a leap going forward. And, and it comes with this offseason, we are going to have to bring in a legit wide receiver one. Canale is. Talk to Mike. Talk to Mike. But we're, and there's some guys out there. It's Mike Evans, T. Higgins, Calvin Ridley. The, I think they're the top three wide receiver free. But it's guys out there. It's not just depending on Dave Canale. Now, can he do the same thing as Frank Wright did where he was stubborn in his offense 50 times calling screens? No. But he hasn't shown that he does that. What he did with Baker was a lot of under center play action shot plays. That's one thing we didn't have this year in Carolina. 
Right, right. So for that standpoint, it gives you things to be optimistic for, but also it kind of puts us in a spot where Evero now is our number one concern. We have to keep him. We have to hope nobody. And with it only being two more jobs left, Seattle and Washington, we both understand. We both came to the Washington. If they don't hire Eric B, it's a miss. Just straight point blank. If they don't hire Eric B, it's a miss for them. So it leaves Seattle. Do they want to go with Eddie Everett? Can we keep him as defensive coordinator? And then offensive coordinator. Can the head coach who is an offensive guy, same thing with Frank Reich, what we talked about, what's your offensive coordinator for? What is he doing? Can they come to an understanding of what this offense needs to look like? Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. both need to be on the same page. Going like one can't want to. I just keep going back to Frank. Right, one can't want to run screens, and one can't want to run play actions. Right, I can understand that. So when you think about the situation and everything, do you feel like it's a situation where um, the the Carolina Panthers offense is going to turn into the Tampa Bay Bucks offense and perhaps bringing in Mike Evans? Because I, is that an improvement? Oh, yeah. Mike Evans is an improvement over whatever we got in the wide receiver room right now anyway. I'm talking about the offensive scheme as well, though. Because um, he's going to bring some of that with him when he yeah, comes. That, 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 that depends on what we can do around him. And then that's a big thing, too. Mike Evans wanting to come to Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a Who wants to come to Carolina, honestly, right, right now? Say, for instance, he don't. And we still got the, the head coach. He's in place now. I mean, like you said, uh, it's just past season and everything. There was a lot of struggles when it came to Bryce Young and especially this offense. Say, for instance, he don't come over. We're not even saying that. It's just a good idea to kind of think about and chew on for a minute. But with just him coming in and, like you say, with his track record, with his history and everything, we went from the bottom of the barrel as far as offense this year to what you think, midstream? Um, I think we do jump into that. On arrival. 16 to 18 type range of offense. Touchdown. Just because – Bryce Young, and a lot of people, you know, I'm an even kill guy. I'm not a, ah, oh, get him out of here. As soon as, no, I'm not. Unless they're not doing their job. Unless it's, unless it's like you can't avoid what's going on. Right. You got to see. No excuse. That he's not. The, this time, you got to understand what he was faced with as a rookie quarterback. The, def, the offensive line took a major decrease from what we've seen the year before. Our receiving room, a major decrease when you think we had a DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, Kirk, these type guys. Now, that broad receiving room was completely overhauled in the span of an offseason. We go from from CMC to our offense, I mean, our running back room looking like Chuba Hubbard and Miles Sanders who had the – a down year. He wasn't the guy he was in Philadelphia because he didn't have that offensive line in front of him. Right. So that's what I'm. That's when I say, what did you really expect from Bryce Young? Can you be disappointed? Yes. But can you honestly say he didn't show you anything? He showed me a lot of things because no. you, you had you, yeah because you had a rookie se- a rookie having a rookie season, and so he, he showed a lot, man. And I mean, he put up thirty some points against the Packers, man. We got some pretty uh, decent uh, defense and everything, so he he's definitely like showing some things. And that's the thing: the games we won, the games we were in competition for, he kept us in those games. It wasn't. I'm not saying it was eye popping. It wasn't, but he did the job to get us down there. 
we just don't have the weapons that you see on a lot of these other teams. You look at our division alone. The teams are similarly equal. The difference is the weapons that these guys have in all three other categories. You go to the Saints. You got Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. You go to the Bucks. You got Rashad White. You got Mike Evans. You got Godwin. You go to the uh, Falcons. You got um, Bijan. You got Drake London. You got Kyle Pitts. You go to the Panthers. Your best option is Adam Thielen. Exactly. Don't even know if he was going to be here next season. That's the thing. We don't know what our offense will look like at all next season. We signed a lot of guys to one-year deals. Did they show anything to get brought back other than Adam Thielen? DJ Shark did some – he showed chemistry at the end of the year with Bryce Young. Is that enough to warrant another contract? Right, right. Now, when you think about it and everything, the offensive coordinator, Thomas Brown, all right, and then you got this new uh, head coach just coming in. Um, uh, two questions. The first one is, do you think um, a more seasoned type um, head coach would be what Bryce need, or are we good with that? And also, when it came to Thomas Brown, if he's still running the offense, uh seemed like his hands was a little bit tied during the season, on and off. Now he's able to kind of open up his book. Um. So the first question I don't think a veteran quarterback, I mean a veteran coach, is really what he needs. Okay. I think he needs a guy who understands how to put him in his best position. Innovation. Understands what he's great at. Not even good at. Understand what Bryce, because he's shown some things to be great at. Extending plays. uh, Making adjustments at the line. He's shown great intangibles. Now can we get it to, what can he physically do for us? Right, exactly. Now check this out. When you when you think about that, oh, but oh, go back to uh, Thomas the second, Brown. Yeah, second, the second question. One, Sorry about that. I think we've already re- are wiped our hands with Thomas Brown. I think it was, it came out during that last stretch of the season that he was already fired. He was just finishing the season for us. I do think we interview him at least for that offensive coordinator just because he's been in that locker room. He's been with these guys. And that we did, really didn't get to see his offense. Now, the only thing with that is the defensive coordinator from the Rams, where Thomas Brown came from, just got him an offense. I mean, just got him a head coaching job in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. That might be a problem. And that's why I'm thinking of keeping Evero might become a problem. Because mm-hmm. he's already, I think he's already warranted some head coaching looks. But also, we know what he can do as a defensive coordinator. Do I want to stay when they're building the new staff again? Do I go follow some people that I'm familiar with? Right. I got you. Now, think about this now. This goes for all 32 teams. I don't care how great a quarterback you are. You can't do nothing if you are unable to throw the ball because you do not have an offensive line that can hold for at least two to three seconds. We've seen it. uh, I think the top – Two guys was either Sam Howell and Bryson. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that Sam Howell has legit wide receiver options out there in Washington. With Scary Terry, um, they got Kurt Cole. They got De'Ami Brown, who I think is a mer- – he, he's taking steps every year he's in the league. A Charlotte native. You know, I got to keep shouting out our Charlotte guys. Absolutely, baby. Um, he's a Charlotte native. And I think they progress each year. They get better each year. Sam Howell was under pressure. I think he got hit the most in the league this year. But we've seen for a period in time he was leading the league in, in passing yards and things like that. That's because not only the talent around you 
also you had a genius in Eric B who understands, yeah, you don't have a lot of time. Let me put you in a position where you can get the ball out. We never made that adjustment in Carolina. Right, right. So I got you. It, it so, kind of becomes like who comes in and adjusts that well in game. How do you think that's going to be addressed? Uh, uh, free agency, as far as that O-line is concerned, or the ones that's there now need to get better and realize that their job is to block? And that's the thing, too. We see the rookie tackle, uh, Icky. Um, he was in his second year this year. The decrease, the the descent of what he was able to do from his rookie year to this year was it needs to be studied. It's just mind boggling how bad he was. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, Bradley Bozeman, our center, who went down I think early. Uh, Tyler Morton, I think he's still one of the better right tackles in the league. So it, and it's not like we don't have guys. So it's just and that's the thing. D, we pretty much had the same line from last year when they looked good. Like, they looked amazing, especially at the end of that year where we would leave. I mean, where we traded CMC, and the run game took a step forward with Chuba and Devontae Froke. So, it's not... And that's what... What happened? What happened? Right, yeah. I got you. And that makes a lot of sense and everything, man. Uh, so, when when you talk about what happened, I got a question for you. Hey, them... Uh, what? Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a new head coach. <laughs> Raheem Morris. Yeah, all right, Falcons. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. You're absolutely yeah. right. Looked at it wrong. The Atlanta Falcons got a new head coach with Raheem Morris. Uh, how you feel about uh, that hire? Um, They went defensively, which you do got to improve on that side of the ball if I'm Atlanta. But my thing is I think you wanted to bring in a guy who can utilize these weapons you have down there because that was the main thing. You, you are in a quarterback search right now because the Desmond Ritter experience has not been great. It ain't been a great one. So, I'm a, like, you're you're trying to rebuild this offense, but you go with a defensive-minded coach, which kind of – but we've seen it work with a D'Amico Ryans in, tech, in Houston. Yeah, and he also a head coach that's still calling the defense. But let me ask you this now thing before we get too far with this. What happened to uh, Bill Belichick in the second interview, baby? It must not went too well. We talked about the second interview on the last podcast. Yeah, uh, it, it, it seemed like they was leaning towards Bill Belichick. So I, I guess something just didn't click for them. For, um, it could have even just been trying to get a new look on the league. We know how the league is progressing. It's not the same NFL that we saw 10, 15 years ago. So maybe they wanted a new look, a younger eyes on it. Um, but it, that's the thing. It was just a, and we know how this culture thing goes. It always swings left. We didn't see Dave Canales getting hired by the Panthers at all. Not at all. Was his name even, even, even like in the wash? I don't even remember I, even hearing his name until then. I heard a couple of then. interviews yeah. about him. But like I said, Tepper was so high on Ben Johnson out of Detroit. He still hasn't been signed. Right. So it's like, this would just kind of caught me off guard. Um, the same as a lot of these things have happened. Right. So when, when you think about um, when it comes to a Bill Belichick, you know, is do you think that he's going to land a coaching job somewhere else? Because we, we do know for a fact that his name has just been strongly attached with a possible Atlanta Falcons job. Uh, so what what do you think? Uh, Chargers um, interviewed him, did they not? Uh, Chargers went with Harbaugh, but I think right. They did but did they not interview him? Yeah, they talked. Okay, to him. that's all right. He was interviewed by them. Do Bill Belichick land a job in the NFL next season? Right now, it's two jobs left, and that's the thing. I talked about Washington. Um, I think Washington 
is leaning heavy towards either Ben Johnson or an in-house hire with Eric B. And then you look at Seattle. That's the... I could see him going to Seattle. But also, if you go from a Pete Carroll to Bill Belichick, I just don't see how much difference. Right. Only thing you're going to change is the weather, baby. Okay, from real cold uh, to a lot of rain. But when we get back to this Raheem Morris and everything, and um, which uh, this hire and everything, what can we expect from uh, the the Bucks now? Because here's here's uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Falcons now. What can we what can we kind of like expect now uh, go, going forward? Because I don't even really know if they got a quarterback, man. You know, it took about two or three of them to kind of get the wins together that they did get. So what can we expect right now? Uh, that's the thing. You got to figure out what you're doing at quarterback. Because we understand that the weapons that you got in Atlanta is some of the best in the league. Like, they're it's top tier, what you got down there. Um, you got to figure out that quarterback situation. But now you got a guy who, like we said, he is defensive-minded. So that should solidify an already decent defense. Mm-hmm. It already was good. Can they become a great one? Right, right. I got you. And that makes a lot of sense, man. Now, we did talk about the Seattle opening. Okay? Still talk about the Washington opening. We did talk about Eric B. But how about this right here with Seattle, man? Who who, who you think needs to go ahead and slip in there and, and kind of make that thing do what it do? Because uh, uh, Geno Smith had a great year. So uh, who, who needs to go ahead and take the rings? And that's the thing. That's one thing that makes you excited about Dave Canales because when Gino hopped on the – when he emerged back on the spot, he was that quarterback coach. Uh, now Pete Carroll's there. I think you got to look at that Ben – because Ben Johnson still is the hottest commodity if you – to me, if you ask about this head coaching position. Just because what he was able to do in Detroit with a Jared Goff, who people tried to, to write off. He, he – and even before they got stocked up on all these weapons, they looked good the year before. So it's what, and that's why he came back trying to finish the job. Now he got them in an NFC Championship game. So it, and, and like he betted on himself, and he actually won that bet. A lot of people don't do that. So I think that for him, um, for Seattle, you got to look at Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson, you got to look at Washington. Mm-hmm. So when, when you think about it, you know how we've been hearing uh, this uh, could be close, uh, interviews going well and everything. It, I don't know. Maybe Ben Johnson might want to stay, man. I don't I don't really know because we haven't heard anything about it, it really getting close. They still got games to play. Yeah, All I right? think that's what's been the the problem with hiring him. So the talk is probably going to heat up uh, once we figure out where the Detroit Lions are going to yeah, take and go. Yeah, that season finally ends up. Mm-hmm. But a lot of teams weren't in position to where they could wait because you got to get a plan in place. Like if you're Carolina, you got to get a plan in place starting as soon as possible. If you're Atlanta, you got to get some kind of plan going forward as soon as possible. The charges, you hit with a Jim Harbaugh, getting a guy who's – Who's ha- has a great winning record, has great works with quarterbacks. Got him, Justin Herbert. So you get what I'm. A lot of teams was okay. We can't sit around for much longer. Right, and that makes sense, man. Now check this out. When it goes to uh, Joe Barry, he out as DC defensive coordinator at Green Bay. Man, they was thinking about interviewing and say they got an injury set up for Brandon Staley. Apparently, he likes to call defense <laughs> as a head coach. He didn't call nothing but the defense That's because the offense. He, I don't think he called much of that. How you feel about that though, man? As far as Brandon Staley uh, becoming the new uh, Green Bay uh, defensive coordinator, possibly. Um, I think it would be a good hire because he wasn't a bad defensive play caller out in Los Angeles. It just never, he just never could get 
the best out of that offense. Right. I think if you allow him to focus on defense only, and some guys are just better that way, having a, a specialty. Um, but if you guys were already in a good position, um, you guys have a great foundation on that defense. So it's not like he has a big, a lot to do in the job. Right, yeah. Now, I, before we move on to our next segment, one thing I want to ask you real quick and everything before we go forward. Say, for instance, you the GM, let's say of the Carolina Panthers, or you the GM of any football team that is, is currently in, con- in contention or maybe not in contention right now but want to become in uh, contention. What would be your mindset as hiring a head coach, offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, and what's the advantage of either one? Because we've seen both. We've seen offensive coordinators get head coaching jobs. Defensive coordinators get head coaching jobs. Which one has the more advantage to, uh, from your eyes and your viewpoint on the way you would want your team to be in order to become a winning franchise? Uh, first off, I want to just say it's depending on what I'm inheriting, what team I'm inheriting. But just from a, what my philosophy would be entering whatever job, it's with the way the league is going towards Offense, the long ball, mainly. I'm just a, a, a what? A, I'm a bucker of the system. I'm a guy who likes to go against the grain. Right. I want to go a defensive genius. I want to go a guy who I know can neutralize almost any offense. Cause that gives my it, it takes the responsibility off of having a great offense, which I think is harder to do. It, I think it's harder to have a great offense than it is to have a great defense. I got you. Especially if you f- put your focus onto that. Because you can simplify this offense game plan, especially if you have a good, a great defense to where you're getting three and outs, you're getting off the field early, you're doing those things. My offense just has to take care of the ball. Yeah, and I understand that. When you think about that and what you said and said defensive uh, side of the ball and everything, how it's easier to create and and what you're really trying to accomplish, I just don't see another Baltimore Ravens-type single-digit Super Bowl. I don't see another Tampa Bay-type single-digit Super Bowl. I don't see that no more. They're going to the long ball. So, I mean, do you feel like with that being said that they're going to go back to that? Because, like you said, this is an offensive-driven league, period. People want to see points on the board. Yeah, and – it's it's no I don't think it's no going back to a defensive minded game. Right. Just because of the way the the rule book is becoming set up. Mm-hmm. It's it's getting harder and harder each year to play good defense. Right. But a defensive coordinator would be a great head coach. I think so. That makes sense. I love it, baby. All right. We're going to see how all that take place. And hey, let's go to the association. Great games was played last night. Great games going to be played today. We keep it going. We keep it moving because that's what we do. Now, listen. Now, you had those Pacers play them 76ers. Pacers 134, 76ers 122. Now, uh, my man Joel Embiid, he didn't have a bad game. But did he have a 70s hangover? Um, I mean, it's just hard to... To think you're going to come out there and put up the same production as you did with a 70-point game. Yeah, and I don't expect that, but what I'm talking about is the win. Um, oh, you know. The thing is, you can't, you got to understand who you're going against. I think Tyler Halliburton is out. Tyrese Halliburton, is he, what, did, he, did he play this game? No, nah, he out. Yeah. But it's still just the, the mindset of this offense is to get up and down. We, they're not really focused on defense. It's not their strong suit, and they understand that. Their thing is take advantage of missed shots, take advantage of turnovers, get up the court, 
get them trying to recover and get a shot up. Right. You can't go 120, 120, 120, 130 with this team. It's, it's hard for people to keep up. And we've seen that in the end season tournament against the best of the best with the Celtics in the books. You can't expect to, and this is without Tyrese Halliburton. So you can't expect to keep up pace with these guys. That's the formula that you lose against the Pacers. Gotcha. Now, your boy Pascal Siakam, triple-double, baby. 26 points, uh, 13 rips, and 10 assists, man. He acting like he's saying, we here. Yeah, that's his, I think that's the first win he got with the Pacers. And it's a big win considering Tyrese Halliburton's out because it solidifies them bringing him in. Right. And, and, and when you look at that uh, bench and everything, man, listen, every last one of them on the side of the Indiana uh, uh, Pacers, all with double digits, man. They even had double digits coming off the bench, man, with top of the metron. Yeah. And that's, that's what they do. They get this team just open looks. There's nobody who's out there trying to go for 60, 70 points. Right. Now, you know, at the beginning of the season and everything or whatever, you know, kind of uh, just briefly going back over to the James Harden trade and everything, uh, Tyrese Maxey, he took and came into his own. He looked like he averaging, you know, he averaging in the 20s, mid-20s and everything. Now, kind of cooled off just a little bit, but you got Nick Batum in the starting lineup. Why? Um, We said that as soon as he got there, he looked like somebody that they were trying to make a big role for. Um, I don't know if it's the shot-making ability that he does possess, but he hasn't produced at a high level for a couple of years now. So I just don't know exactly what the plan is with Nick Batum. But um, maybe it's just looking at what they got on the bench. Uh, who would? It's looking like who would better fit that role. Right, yeah, I got you. I know he's been there for a minute and everything. He's had decent numbers, but they haven't been overwhelming. Uh, you take him when he's on the floor, you just don't, uh, you may guard him, but you don't feel like he's going to be the one to get the win for you. Check this out. So the uh, the, T- the T-Wolves, they had a bounce back. Uh, it was a two-point win, beating the Nets 96-94. Uh, uh, K-Town, he had a double-double with 27 points and 10 rips. Uh, so, you know, he had to make sure that he did what he did and everything to, sh- uh, to uh, shake off that 60-point loss. Yeah, uh, he he shot efficient, too. I, he only missed three shots this game. Um, Looked like his teammates stopped, stopped looking at him and started yeah, playing stopped the game. Playing, uh, they, didn't, they weren't too involved in trying to let him make history. <laughs> they were like, that didn't work. Yeah, they were just like, let's go win the game. Uh, and it's, it's not too much to say about him. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the games that you expect him to win under 100 games. Cause just, I mean, 100, under 100 point games. Because mm-hmm. just how good this defense has been. And they do have some offensive threats on this team. Right. When you think about Gobert with that double-double with 10 points and 13 rips, man, he's been a good addition to the team and everything, you know, because where it came from, that was kind of the shake-up and mix-up from kind of uh, players moving around on that team. So uh, you feel good about Gobert's play? And then, of course, Anthony Anthony Edwards, you know how much you're taking uh, – he played with a chip on his shoulder every single night. Yeah, uh, Gobert kind of solidified that defense. Right. Made them – and I think he's a big reason why. I want to say they're the number one defense in the league right now. He's a big reason why. Um, and then you we we talk about Anthony Edwards. He he's looking like one of those future guys to carry this league going forward. Um, you want to see him play more efficient, consistent. But when you every game game in game out, he's taking the majority of the shots. You expect some inefficiency there. But he still is just that chip on his shoulder that he has that 
I'm better than you. I'm I'm not gonna lose this game regardless of what you do. It it gives you something to be hopeful for with this Minnesota team. Exactly, cause like you're saying, they playing real good ball right now. Well, check this game out. When we look at the New York Knicks and everything, they played against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, the Knicks won one twenty two to eighty four. Uh, did the Joker get hurt this game? Cause I, I'm thinking that he may have he may have had a little bit of a little uh, injury that was kind of going on. But he I mean he played this game. I don't know if he finished this game. He had 31 points in um, 27 minutes. Uh, but listen, when I think about this game, uh, OG, okay, and Randall and, and Brunson still popping on all cylinders. Yeah, uh, that that this it looks like OG is exactly what this New York Knicks team needed. It is nothing other than to say about that. Um, Jalen Brunson is tough, man. I know he's probably upset, too. He was an all-star stud uh, as a starter, who I honestly think he does have a better year than Dave Lillard so far. Uh, but we understand how the popularity and the namesake can, can give you a boost in those aspects. But Jalen is having a great year. The New York Knicks looks to be on the rise. Um, they look to have figured out this roster as far as putting it all together. And I think they'll be an exciting team to watch in the playoffs. Yeah, have Jalen have Jalen Brunson made All Star? I don't think so. Not at all. He's been in the league for a minute. Yeah, but it was that the Dallas run he had before he came to the Knicks. It was kind of underwhelming. He was just that. I think that final year he had in Dallas was the one that put him on the map, like kind of put him in front of people's eyes. But before that, he was just a role player to Luca. Yeah, but, you know, that game was already about, about uh, scoring points and everything or whatever, and he has been more than doing that and everything when it comes to uh, uh, this year and how he's been looking and everything. So I, I feel that, you know, he, he should have got that. Yeah, it was definitely a snub. Yeah, but it also feel like, uh, I don't know, he he's not that young, he's not that old, but time could be running out for him to even get to that point. Um, Just with what's coming into the league, too, and then you think of some of the guys who was dealing with injuries as well, because uh, we understand, like, a LaMelo Ball, his entertainment factor gives him a boost when it comes to all-star voting. So things like that, um, just keep going. Right. That's all you can do. And um, it's not about, to me, it's not about these all-star individual accolades anyway. Yeah, but they're fun to watch, man. And I don't know, man, it could take a have a little bit of an impression on your contract yeah, that's whenever what it happens. So it, it kind of, you know what I mean? To, when it comes to things like that, yeah, I understand how it's important. Right. But if you go out there and you make a statement in the playoffs, mm. I think that overshadows all this. I got you. Check this out. Uh, the the Boston Celtics put up 143 points against uh, the Miami Heat. The first thing I wanted to know was whether or not Jimmy played. We know Triple J was out. Cool. But uh, when you think about this and the efficiency of it, uh, what, it was like seven of the players for the Celtics had double digits, but we know who they are. Okay, we know that. We got it. Smoking red hot. Listen, when you look at the Heat, though, uh, Jimmy, his Butler's production, man, it, it's going to have to step up, bro. He had 17 points, three rebounds in 29 minutes, and I don't know if this team can go without Jimmy. And that's the thing. I've never seen Jimmy as a consistent 25 to 30 scorer a night. And when you're, your number, when you're the number one guy, that's what you kind of need from your number one guy. Exactly. when you talk about fighting for a championship. Yeah, it's nice to see the, the the underdog runs that you're able to put together. But it's a reason why you've never been able to get over that top. Mm-hmm. It's a reason why you've never been able to get over that hump. When you compare a Jimmy Butler to some of these other top 
guys on these top teams, you run down the list, it's hard for me to say I'm taking Jimmy Butler over Jason Tatum. I'm taking Jimmy Butler over Giannis Antetokounmpo. I'm taking Jimmy Butler over Joel. I'm taking Jimmy Butler over Steph. I'm taking Jimmy Butler over Jokic. I'm taking Jimmy Butler. I can go take Jimmy over LeBron. It's hard to when you when you actually look at it. That's the difference. Was they not in the finals last year? Yes. Okay. Great run, Great run for them. Right. I think they won one game. Mm-hmm. And, it just, and it and it looked like it was outmatched. Mm-hmm. The whole playoffs, it just the whole final series, it just looked like you was outmatched. Now, that's the thing. Y'all have that underdog mentality, that blue collar mentality. We just gonna show up to work with our lunch pails, and, and we gonna start working. That can get you an amazing underdog run. That's the thing. Cinderella stories always come to an end. Right. Right, exactly. Y'all feel you on that. TT played this game, Terry time. He took a hit on had seven points, but he played for 29 minutes. It kind of looked like he was trying to fill out his new team and everything, but I don't know what his attempts was on that because it kind of looked like a situation where he didn't want them to feel like, you know, he, he got shot out of the games. Three for ten. Um, it's a He's a shooter, though. Yeah, he's going to take his shots, and that's the thing. And it's probably just trying to get comfortable with, I don't think he has the ball a lot in his hands on this team. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was able to do in Charlotte. I feel you. Okay, well, we're going to keep an eye on that and everything or whatever, see how that trade work out. Because your boy Kyle Larry, he still ain't played for the Hornets yet. I don't expect him to. <laughs> you think he's going to ride the pine no, after I, this trade? That's the thing. I expect him to get moved, whether a trade or a buyout. So you don't think he's going to hit the floor no. for, for, for the Charlotte Hornets? He's not even going to put on a uniform. No. You'll never see a number seven Charlotte Hornets jersey with Lowry on the back. Well, where do you think he's going? I don't know. But I didn't ain't... expect him to come here. <laughs> okay, you need to chop this game up for me, man. It was a one-point loss for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Kings beat them 134-133. All right, when you look at that, what you do? You always look down the line and see where Steph Curry at. 33 points in 36 minutes, okay? Uh, everybody else, you had a couple of them with, with Wiggins. He said he had 17. Uh, Thompson, he had 16. Kamanga, he had 31 off the bench. Still can't get it done. Y'all don't know why they won't start this, man, because I think the other day he had 25, 5, 2, and 2 on 100% field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. He's showing like, hey, 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 hey. I, I'm here. Like, I'm the next guy. It seems like for some reason, it's not uh, uh, the circumstances with all coaches. But for some of these coaches and everything, uh, I think they're putting a little bit too much attention on uh, uh, that second squad. I need a lift from the second squad. That's fine. But if you can get that first squad smoking red hot, just rest your, rest your you stars. A, if you can get up to a hot start, that makes the job easier on them bench players. Exactly. I mean, coaching ain't easy. Yeah, but at the same that, time, they need it, to take you need to recognize yeah, this. That's is one of the things. Is that it's unexcusable to miss. Right. How do you miss it? It's not it's not a quiet 31. It's not a quiet 25. He's doing it on both sides of the floor and he's doing it efficiently. I want this game, what was it? 12 for 19 for 31. Three rebounds, three assists. And he, he also chipped in two steals. So again, he's doing it on both sides of the floor at on all levels. Putting in work. So and, and start then, that man. So it, and it's just like cool, close game. Nobody actually played bad. You got six for I mean five for six from Don Sarge. You got six for I mean seven for seven from Kevon Looney. No two for what the hell did I just see? But anyway, nobody played bad. Nobody played bad at all. 
But when you got a guy like Kaminga sitting on the bench who could have gave you that extra push a little bit in a one-point loss, and then at the end of the game, it's that sticking to – it's that dying by your philosophy. Mm-hmm. They, we've seen them get a rebound, not call a timeout, let Steve, Steph Curry push and go do whatever he does. People are also expecting that now too. They got the rebound. Clay Thompson couldn't find Steph. They dribbled up a little bit, lost some time. Finally got the ball to Steph. He tried to do his little dribble around, get to a spot where he could. And we understand it takes the slightest amount of space for him to get a shot off. They didn't give him that turnover. You lose the game. When does the coach say, all right, this ain't working. Time out. Let me draw up an inbound play for us. That's when I said, you know, I was a, I was defending Steve Kerr. This is when I say it's time to look at something. Whether it's blowing this roster up or making a move on this dad. You know, I caught that a little while back, man. I already told you what it was and everything. And I was like, he listen, he basically inherited greatness and was able to produce what he was able to produce. But the level of coaching and his ability to make the necessary changes when it need to be made is what it is. And I ain't seen it. Okay. I've seen some on them runs to championships. I've seen some things from him as a coach. But now it's more of now that your back's against the wall, the roster's not the same level of quality that it used to be. And the players aren't, you know, they're getting up there in age. Right, exactly. Now let's not forget about the team that won, okay? Harrison Barnes, 39 points. Murray, 14. Sabonis, 18. Your boy D. Fox, 29. Herder, 12. Look all the way down. Mitchell, 10. All right, listen. They was doing some point production. Looking real nice. Yeah. Um. You can't sleep on Sacramento. And you know, and I think we're going to talk about them next. They, they're not even a good matchup with the Lakers. The Lakers don't even want to play them. But listen, this Sacramento team is good. Oh, yeah, it's good. Um... They kind of was struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. They was on a, I want to, like I said, I think we touched on it the last episode. They was on a four out of five losing streak. Um, this is a good game for you to win. I mean, it reminds you of what you're capable of. It reminds you of where you're supposed to be. And I think they're still in a great position as far as what this, yeah, they're sitting right at seven, right behind New Orleans. Um, they're right behind the the top teams that you would think Minnesota, OKC, Denver, LA, Phoenix, and then you get into that New Orleans, Sacramento, Dallas, Lakers territory. So they're in a good position. They're with a a good bunch of guys. Can they take that next step to break into that top six? Right, and that's what you want. And that's of course that's what they want and everything. You don't want no playing game, not now. Listen, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna chop this up for you real quick and everything. I need you to run with this one. James, he backed LeBron, okay, and basically they won. But it took a double double from James. He had 25 points from LeBron, 25 points, 12 assists. Your boy Prince, he only shoot from the outside, 14. You got your traditional, and that's what I call it, double double from AD. With 22 points, 11 rips. Russell, D'Lo, 29 points. Reeves, 20 points. Vanderbilt, 17. And your boy Rui with 10. Listen, if LeBron ain't in the lineup, the Lakers don't win. Pretty much. That's where we are. Um, but it is it is something to be excited for. Everybody shot over 50% in that starting lineup. I did another 50% plus out of Jared Vanderbilt. So the efficiency was there. And that's the thing, too. Also, like I said, we take advantage of lesser teams. We do take care of these lesser teams most of the time. That's exactly why we're sitting right at 500. These aren't the problems with me. 
the, the games I need to see is the games against the guys you're expected to see in the playoffs. Exactly. Exactly. When I, and one thing I want to I want to point out to this right here: if LeBron has to work so hard now, he ain't gonna have no legs for the playoffs. But they gonna have. To, but they, that's the problem. That's the situation. That's one of the main issues they need to rem, uh, remedy right now. Yeah, and I just think we haven't really figured out a way to let LeBron play a more relaxed place. There, we've only got a. We've got so accustomed to him playing one way. We don't know how to adjust to him playing off the ball. We don't know. And I don't even think it's adjust. I don't think we know how to put him in the best position mm-hmm. to do what he does best off the ball. Because when you look at it, these other guys aren't. That's what I said with D'Angelo Russell. He was supposed to be that facilitator. He does have great passing skills, but he's still more of a scorer. He wants to shoot that long ball. You look at Austin Reeves. Yes, he can make some great passes. He's more of a scorer. He wants to get to the rim. He wants to get to that mid-range. You look at Terry Prince. We say, well, we, he only shoots threes. Anthony Davis, he's not that traditional point forward, even though his game is more inside out. It's still based around scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. LeBron is the only guy on this roster whose game is just an all-around game. Right, right, yeah. Hall of Famer, for real. Listen, let me ask you a quick question and everything. D-Ham, uh, is his seat okay to, for the rest of the season? Um, I think they you gotta finish out the rest of the season with him, unless it just everything just falls completely off the rails. I'm just saying, stranger things have happened, and you know what I'm talking about. But before we move on and everything, uh, let's uh give a shout out to our boy Kobe White, man. He had 25 points, UNC alumni, and everything. Cut his hair, grew it back. Cut his hair, grew it back. All right, H- how you feel about his play, man, and everything? He's been one of the most uh consistent players on the Chicago Bulls team behind the Rosen. Yeah, he just needed an opportunity. Um, like a legit opportunity to show what he can do. Um, he's always been a great scorer of the ball, but as far as the point guard ability, he only had three assists this game. So you look for him to develop more in that aspect as to get the the other guys going around him. But uh, again, it's the first real opportunity he's got to show what he can do because they was playing behind Lonzo for a minute when Lonzo got to Chicago and it was the whole rebirth to Lonzo. So now he's got a chance and he's showing that I can put the ball in the hole. The development of his game still has to happen. Right, right. But I think, man, he's making some real nice strides getting there and everything, you know, because like you think, when you think about it, points is going to keep him on the floor. Yeah. If he's able to, to develop the other aspects of his game and everything, that's just going to make it that much better, especially especially when you got Zach Levine and everything. You don't know what's going to happen right there and everything, but it looked like they're trying to pull this thing all together without him on the floor saying we can still win these games Speaking and let's get Zach close. Levine. Speaking of Zach Levine, this is a little – Ranch in the program real quick, but I seen something come across my feed the other day. How would you feel about this trade proposition? So, Zach Levine from the Bulls, Charlotte Hornets sends them Gordon Hayward, Nick Richards, that backup center we have, and that 2027 first round pick that we got from Miami. That'll work, but who's going to be your starting center? We still got the, – the only thing is dealing with that in-between between Mark Williams coming back and, and trading off Nick Richards. Right, yeah. But what I'm thinking is with the way the se- the season's going, yeah. I don't think that's too much of a concern not having that, that center. Because you got to start in center and Mark Williams. We just got to get him healthy. Right. I would – what you can get with adding a – Zach Levine to that starting lineup next to LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller, Miles, and 
and Mark Williams, I think that overshadows me not having a center for a couple months in an already their season's washed already. Right. Now the only thing would be can we resign or keep Zach Levine here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel pretty good about that and everything. Uh, sound like uh, it's something that's uh, this, uh, willing to, to it can work. Uh, my question is, man, are they, because they, you know, they decision-making process has been poor all season long. Would they be willing to do that? Do they see that? Can they bring that together and make it like what we say come to fruition? That, that, that right there will put hope back into the fans and the team. Yeah, that gets you another solidified all-star next to Lamelo. The right. only thing is, do you pull the trigger? Mm-hmm. Hey, that's what we got to see, man. They still got a little bit of time left, but not much and everything to go ahead and make this thing finalized and everything, and then the trade deadline is gone. Yeah, because if you if you if this Terry Rozier move is the only move you make this year, mm-hmm. it's a loss for this year, and I think you kind of sold your future. Right. Exactly. So I'm really hoping that that takes place, man. That'd be great. How about these games just on tap, baby, in the association? We got the Suns and the Pacers. We know that, you know, Tyrese, he's out a little bit nursing the injury. That's cool. But the Pacers are going to come up. Bradley Beal is seeing some things happen. Who you got winning this game between the Suns and the Pacers to the Um, If Tyrese isn't out there, I just don't see them being able to muster enough to beat this Suns team. Mm-hmm. Just, uh, just the offensive power that this team has – the knowing what they can do and the fact that they're getting some running together now. I just don't if they don't have Tyrese and they're not able to get their full potential of that running gun offense, it's gonna be bad for them. Yeah, so, I got you to, yeah. to pull this out. That makes sense. Now we got Batman and Robin out there and everything, and then Holloway Jr. doing what he do, and then we got Trey Young. We had talked about this a lot and everything about uh, how these things and how these kind of franchises can kind of pan out. Uh, but uh, you know, with the big two that's down there in uh, Dallas, mm, it takes a little bit more than that. And we seen the other game, the other day, and everything was a situation where Holloway he had a great game, but they, 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 they didn't come out with the win. But we also know who they played against. Yeah. I, I want to know how you feel about these Mavs uh, Hawks matchup. Uh, injury report right now has Kyrie out for the Dallas Mavericks and it's at least five guys that's either out or a game time decision for the Hawks and that includes Trey Young. Because mm-hmm. so, he concussion protocol, yeah, he's still into that? Yeah, so mm-hmm. depending on if Trey Young is out there, it, it, it goes from no chance at all to it's a 50-50 game. Right. Considering if either team either had, Lucas playing, so if they go out with Luca versus no Trey Young. There's no chance and it's no chance possible for this Hawks team to win this game. But if they go out Luca versus Trey, it's a fifty fifty. And that's just how dynamic both of these guys can be. Absolutely. Now, listen, you got our Charlotte Hornets playing them Houston Rockets, okay? Uh, you know it's hot and cold, hit and miss with them or whatever. But, man, can they get it done? Can they bring a win? Can they bring a win to, to, to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina? I think so. I think so. In being completely healthy right now, um, I think Mark Williams is still the only thing out. But having a mellow ball back, having Brandon Miller playing at the way he's been playing, Miles Bridges, still, he gets his points. I just want to see it be more efficient. That's the only thing with Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. I want more efficient shooting from him. But other than that, he's been a leading scorer in the last 10 games. But it's just because he gets up 20 to 30 shots a game. Yeah, that is true. And half the time it's under 50%. Yeah. So yeah. that's the only thing. I, I just wanted to be more efficient. I, I do appreciate the point production, but it, it, it puts us in a position of we're losing some possessions just because of your shot chucking. 
Right, exactly. Well, you know, we know how hot the Clippers are right now, okay? Do, do, do the Toronto Raptors have any chance tonight? I, just, I don't think so. I don't think so. Losing Pascal, losing OG, I think this team has accepted a rebuild mode. And these Clippers are accepting they should be vying for a championship. They're just in two different realms right now and two different understandings of where we are. Right. Maybe you can upset some teams with that underdog, I want to prove myself mentality. I don't think this is one of these games. Just because of how that depth thing, and we've never said this, the Clippers are the only team I think has enough to go up against the Celtics in a seven-game series. Who you got winning that? I still go Celtics. Well, but, but give me a give me a count on it though. I think it could go seven, no less than six. So six, seven games from these two guys, and it's just because of you look at. Yeah, we understand the Celtics have about ten, eleven, twelve guys on this team. But what those four can do for you in the Clippers, you got three MVPs on this team for a reason. Mm-hmm. Or I want to say two MVPs of. A final, whatever the, the breakdown of it is, these guys have proven. So now they're all on the same team. I think that's the if they're cooking and healthy in the playoffs. I say it all. The, you don't want to see this Clippers team, right? You don't want to see it just as much as you don't want to see this Celtics team in a seven game series. Now, if you get them both to to get through whatever you know, whatever obstacles they got to face on their each side of the brackets. That would be, I think, the best finals for us to see this year. Absolutely. And we love to see good, productive, uh, you know, uh, basketball when it comes to that, man. We want the highest level of product on the floor. Now, now, when when, when you think about this right here, uh, how you feel about the OKC uh, New Orleans Pelicans matchup? Okay. I know how you feel about Alexander. You're taking you got Zion. And then you have uh, Ingram. You have all those uh, out there making it do what it do. Uh, what you think about that Thunder Pelicans, baby? Um, I still think the Thunder are just a, a notch above this Pelicans team right now. But it's also depending on they just I think they gotta put together a full team performance, the Pelicans do. The the Thunder understand where they are. It's a deep team. Like they're a deep but they're young. A deep young team. I think that's what separates them from some of the real contenders in my eyes. Just of their inexperience going into long series. But still I think if the Pelicans could put I haven't seen a full team production game for them. It's either Zion gets off, Brandon Ingram gets off, a CJ McC- It's never all these guys having great nights together. Right. They do that. They become, like I said, they're sitting at that sixth position right in front of um, who Sacramento. They're sitting right in a great position to be in considering what the West is right now. Putting it all together for a strength, for a length, a lengthy amount of time would serve this team great. Right, right. See, to me, like they got a solid foundation and a lot to build on and look forward to. You know, we got the Magic and the Grizzlies, we got the Cavs and the Bucks, but I'm looking at the Trailblazers and the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, I'm looking at Victor Wambiama and your boy Scoot Henderson. All right, chop it. Uh. Victor's going to do what Victor does. (laughs) A double-double. He's going to have his 20-and-10 type game. Um, I think this more is scoop. What can you show us? Because these two teams are in the same realm of expectations. 
we're not expecting a lot from you guys. We don't really care about your win loss record. What we care about is what are you showing potential to be? Victor's already shown his potential. Granted, is helped out by him being seven three and all that. But he still had to develop that game style that he has. Scoot. You don't have that God-given ability or that God-given gift of being 7-3. But what you do have is a God-given gift of being one of the most athletic people on the floor. You have to find a way to make that work for your advantage, whether it's getting to the rim, creating some type of separation, and creating a, a consistent jump shot for you in the game. You have to. These are the games you have to show something. You have had flashes. It hasn't been to the extent of Victor Winbenyama. It hasn't been to the extent of Brandon Miller. It hasn't been to the extent of what Asar Thompson did in Detroit. What he was able to show, he has the capability of doing outside of just putting the ball in the basket. Because people would take, if you can rebound the ball well and defend and get us steals and box extra possessions, okay, we can live with you not being the best scorer. If you can't do any of that and you're not the best scorer, we have a problem, especially considering when we picked you number three to replace a Damian Lillard. This, the, the only thing we look to take from this game is what is Scoop? What is Scoop? If I'm watching this game, that's the only reason I'm watching it for. Because mm-hmm. we under, like I said, we understand where these teams are, and we understand the biggest question mark on the Spurs, who is Victor Wimby. We understand what he is. Scoop, we have no idea. Because he ain't showed it. What you're going to be. Because mm-hmm. if this is what you're going to be, it's the it's a disappointment. They wasted a pick in the draft. We wasted a pick. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, one thing I like to say before we move on is this right here. Uh, uh, you know where it starts. If you don't believe in yourself, who else gonna believe in you? Do you think he at that point right now? Because, uh, like we had said, he turned. He he knew what he had at that time coming in. Uh, he got with the big boys, the NBA. They kind of shut that down. He got to reinvent himself. So, do you think he's gonna be able to get over that hump? Because he has a lot of expectation on him. I don't know if it's because he went to Portland that's kind of put a stall in that development. Because, yeah, number three overall pick to any team is a lot of pressure. Number three overall pick to a team who just traded in the Hall of Famer at your same position, immeasurable amount of pressure. Dame Lillard was the Portland Trailblazers for 10, 11 years. You got to – I know it's – I know it's infeasible. It's not a, it's not a logical thought pattern but this is what fans do you have to replace that 10 11 years in this one year or at least i won't say you know what i'm you have to at least give us hope that you can replace that 10 11 years of what damian lillard did for us in this one year it is we either gonna love you or not depending off of this one year being compared to this guy's 10 11 year career Right. So when you think about it and everything, right, you know how it comes to uh, a scouting, uh, when it comes to uh, who are we going to pick in the draft, when it comes to the research, when it comes to checking the boxes, they already, I think, at some point knew that, you know, Damon Linda was no longer going to be there, okay? Well, do you feel like when they looked at Scoop, when they seen what was happening, because he was nicknamed the man-child and trying to make some things happen, when they looked at him, do you feel like they felt that he was going to be able to handle that because they, they had to feel to know that it was coming? Do you feel like they felt like he could do that? He carried himself in a way that you thought he would be firm. Um, and I think that's more of not letting it show. Well, pressure can bust a pipe. More though. than not actually affecting him. 
I think he's better at not letting it show than what we what's really going on. And what you see on the floor. Yeah, because it's the confidence of what he had in the G League, again, against grown men, is not the same level of confidence he has right now. Now, they're in the G League for a reason. Yeah, but they still are grown men who made a profession out of playing basketball. It's just that next level. And that's just what it is. You took that next level. You took that next step. And we already know what challenges that next step presents you with. But like I said, the, everything that's off the court as well as what's going on in involving the situation you were brought into, it's tough. Right. And we're going to see it because we're going to watch it. Hey, hey, how about this, baby? Listen, what, I want to start this one off uh, this way right here. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? Women's College Hoops, baby. Uh, but I want to start off right here. The NIL and those deals, and we know uh, the latitude and longitude that it has on that. But how do you think it's going to affect the WNBA for the simple fact you got like the Caitlin Clarks and the Danger Reese's, the Alyssa Peelys, the Cameron Brinks, the Juju Watkins, and I can keep on going and everything you know and like okay when you think about that and everything i think they got a three-year commit yeah uh, uh me personally i'll be like i'll take this whole if i got an nil i'll take this whole four and let it do what it do but i'm saying how you think this nil is going to uh affect wnba oh uh, we've seen it with angel reese last year and it's the perfect example for the question you're asking she could have left she could have left once in the wnba her draft stock was probably at the highest that it possibly could be she's just making more doing what she's doing now. And there's nothing other there's no other way to chop it up. She's making more playing college basketball than what she would make playing in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. There it is, cut and dry. Love it. Listen, check this out, man. Like we said and we was discussing, this game did not disappoint. What am I talking about? South Carolina, number one women's college basketball team in the country against LSU at LSU. Chop it up, man. This game was bananas. We, we, we pretty much called it. We pretty much called exactly what could do this team in, speaking of LSU. Great game for the first three quarters. Angel Reese was just nasty and staying people down and everything, walking over, walking up under. Ooh. First, great game for the first three quarters. That depth started to play a factor. <laughs> they, had a, they was missing one of the commentators that say, look like Angel Reese is getting tired. It is, it is, <laughs> out just, it is just being sloppy. Mm. It's just being sloppy, and that's just contributed to being out of energy, being fatigued, being going up against the number one team in the nation for 40 minutes. You expect that to happen. You expect that to happen. Mm-hmm. You go you go seven deep compared to nine. And your seven played uh, 20 minutes. They extra four off the bench gave them an extra 30, 39, almost 40 minutes. They gave you an extra 20 points, 16 to be exact, compared to an extra four off your bench. Right. Y'all starting lineups basically neutralized each other. Exactly what we said would do LSU in, the depth. And Kim Markey came out and said, neither coach will outcoach the other. Right. I'm sorry to tell you, Don Staley outcoached you in that fourth quarter. Man, listen, I'm going to tell you, I was watching this game, man. I seen the, the composure of Don Staley sitting on the bench. But then when she stood up, 
She she got into them players. She got the reaction out of yeah, them. That she, she, she got into them. That's what it is. <laughs> she, and she understands talent is going to win you games. Discipline is going to win you a championship. Right. And Cardoso didn't have a good night. Okay, she did have 11 points and everything, but she was mostly ineffective and everything. I don't know if she, if the moment uh, was kind of getting a little bit too big for her, but Angel Reese is very intimidating. She's so a, you either play a head up or you don't. She's a great defensive player. Right. That's the thing. Her, she's... She scores at a good pace, but she's mainly a defensive grab rebounds, grab rebounds type of player. That, like I said, these offensive, these starting fives kind of neutralized each other. Right. The paint for um South, I mean the paint for LSU outplayed the paint for South Carolina this night. Mm-hmm. But the guards and you include that bench was able to do more than what Haley Van Leaf and Florence Johnson was able to do. Right, exactly. Full Wiley only, play, only played for 10 minutes in this game and, and scored eight points, but she was highly effective when she was in there and everything. Kids had 14, Pow Pow 12, Johnson had 13, Hall had 10. So, man, they put it together right at the right time. And listen, you remember that box roll that they was doing and everything? It worked about for three or four plays, maybe four, maybe five plays and everything. After that, they was able to neutralize that, that as well. Even that 70 to 70 tied up game, I seen a play call from Don Staley where it was like a high pick. The point guard came down. It was another outside pick for a three-point shot in the corner, and it was ran perfectly. It was ran so smoothly, and that was the the change. Of course, they was already coming back, but once you take a lead in that manner, that I think that's the momentum swing that really it was just – it's it, over. Exactly. It took so much of the air, uh, air out of the crowd, man, and everything. Once they seen that and figured it out, especially when Angel Reese, you know, she got that stare down from Kim Mulkey and everything when she fouled out. Listen, you 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 are not supposed to foul out of that game and everything. Things do happen, but that was the catalyst, man. I knew as soon as she sat down on the bench, this game was pretty much over, whether they had a lead or not. Yeah. But uh, one thing that we do want to say and everything and uh, uh, give a uh, uh, shout-out to uh, two is that five out of the seven players that LSU did put on the floor was in the Double doubles. Yeah. Um, what this game told me, though, these two teams had a possibility to meet in the championship. Oh, no doubt. These two teams, what you what you got out of this, these two teams are the best teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. The only thing holding back LSU is that depth. Right. But I don't. But do you even feel like they even have the capability of increasing the pine? I don't know because this is what they've shown all season, even before Angel Reese came back. It, it, it hasn't increased in what she's brought off the. Is is either her philosophy, or because I know it's more players on this roster. <laughs> it has to be. It's either her philosophy or just knowing some of these people aren't ready for the moment. Because you. Look at that. Being LSU and being what you did last year, having the names you have on this roster, you're going to be in. You're going to be in the main spotlight every time you touch the floor. It doesn't matter if you're going up against Mississippi Valley State. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. We're watching y'all. We want to see, and that's that championship. Uh, you have a responsibility as being the defending champion. All of this is going to be on you. But also, we understand you're not the best team in the nation right now. You don't have the best player in the nation right now. Those two teams, those two things go to South Carolina and the University of Iowa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So true. You have to find another way to get it done. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, 
if you're not able to increase what you can get out of your bench, I don't see you guys being able to repeat this year. Right, right. And and when you think about Flajay Johnson and uh, uh, her productivity, she had some nice little baskets. They look real good. Uh, she had the most minutes out of all players on the court with 40 minutes, but was only able to take and produce 10 points. And she's the shooter. Yeah, she only took six shots this year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you got to play your game. Even understanding that you're surrounded by these names that you're surrounded by, you're Flazane Johnson as well. Your name matters too. Your game matters as well. You have to play your game, and that's putting the ball in the basket. Same thing I keep saying about Haley Van Leaf. She, she took 13 shots. It was 5 for 13. She chipped in 13, but she has to play that way. In order she, for them to win. If she doesn't, she's not herself. Right. I got you. And like I said, the possibility of them meeting again and everything is true. Uh, listen, uh, you know, I want to talk about this before we go to the next game and everything. And I asked you about it. You said a 95% uh, for the perfect season with only UConn possibly in the way for South Carolina. You know, 90, 90, 96, yeah, 97, 98. About 97. Okay, I figured that it was rising. I didn't know how much, but I figured that it was going in the northern direction. Listen, uh, Duke played Florida State. Uh, Duke is sitting at 13-6. and six. Carl Lawson they got got. got Got them warming up the engine, baby. Okay, definitely warming up the engine because when you look at a uh, Duke and everything, you took him. Brown looks good. Jackson looks good. 11, 18, 13. Uh, had twenty two points off the bench. Uh, I think Duke right there, right where they need to be. They done lost some 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 closeness, some heartbreaks, but uh, I think they're gonna be all right. Yeah, they've lost. It's been those chances for them to make statement wins. Um, like you played 17 ranked Louisville, you, you lost 61 to 44. You played uh, uh, number four NC State, 72 57. But you do have some great upset victories considering the rankings. This one, you won by 44 points against number 23 Florida State. You was able to beat number 14 Virginia Tech, 63 to 46. So you guys are right in the mix of. We just need one more push mm-hmm. to break fully through. You guys are going to make it to the tournament, I think so, considering what you've been able to do so far, unless, like I said, unless everything just completely falls off the rails. You guys should make it to the tournament. And I do like what I see from you guys. You guys are any given any given Sunday type of team. I'm not, if I'm, if I'm any team other than South Carolina, I'm not coming into facing Duke. And not giving him my full preparation. Absolutely. Yeah, look at the tape. Check the tape. And think about this, too, as well. Uh, right now, Florida State is ranked. Duke is not. <laughs> think about it. Listen, okay, you had Virginia Tech uh, play Georgia Tech. Uh, that game uh, was uh, 87 to 69. Let's not sleep on Virginia Tech because they made a nice little run uh, uh, last year, did they not? Yeah, I want to say five to four. Exactly. So you got you know Kitley with 29, Moore with 24. Hey, they doing what they need to take and do, man. Yeah, they 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 they're a, with a 15-4 record. They're a seasoned team. Yeah. So they they've been through the storms. They've been. Like I said, like we said, made a long run in the tournament last year. Um, they just they're a team who just they know we just got to get there. Right, exactly. We just got to get there, mm-hmm. and we have a chance against anybody. Yeah, and listen, they make strong runs in the ACC play, um, ACC little tournament and everything. Man, they always at women's, the end. Women's basketball is so balanced in ACC play. Still, I think, um, like if you 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 do have like. South Carolinas, you got the Iowa's, you got Utah's, USC. I still think the ACC as a combined is probably the most competitive basketball league on either side of it. 
And it's so fun to watch, man. You're absolutely correct with that. Now, it was another game that was played. You had Louisville against uh, Boston College. Louisville 88 uh, to Boston College 60. Uh, Louisville is at 17 and 3. Louisville is a is a feisty team, bro. I mean, they get out there and they just start going at it. Okay, Cockerhead 10, Jefferson 27, and everything in a name that I'm not even gonna try to pronounce uh, with 11 points. But listen, Louisville, man, is is clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. Got a great coach as well. Yeah, they three losses. Uh, was against two ranked teams, North Carolina and UConn. Who we know what UConn is in North Carolina. We know they've always been their competitive team. Um, it just shows that Louisville is a consistent team, and they're another team that I think just needs to get there. Right, get there fully healthy. And that was the thing we under we understand. Like we I, while we was talking about LSU, we understand a lot of these teams don't have the best roster that goes to South Carolina. They don't have the best player. That goes to Caitlin Clark, Alicia Pete. <laughs> it goes to those guys. There, you have to have a solid foundation of both philosophy and team chemistry, and that's what Virginia Tech has. That's what Louisville has. That's what a team like LSU has. It's just going to be a lot to overcome a Caitlin Clark or a non-tier rotation from South Carolina. Right. Yeah, and that makes a whole lot of sense. Now, when you look at it, man, Clemson, they're on a down year. We get that part. But listen, sitting at number seven and everything in AP rankings, you got NC State at 17 and only two losses on the season. Uh, when I look at NC State and everything, Collins is playing great ball. Rivers, great ball as well. And Hayes with uh, 24, 13, and 14 respectively and everything. Don't sleep on them. Yes. Like you said, ACC is great. Uh, they really making it do what it do when it comes to the ACC. and But also when it comes to overall. Because sitting at seven with only two losses, don't sleep on them. It's other bigger names out there maybe right now, but when it comes to tournament time, they still making noise. And they two losses was against Virginia Tech and the other was in conference play against Miami, where mm. we know every team is going to show up and get their best every night. Right, so right. those two losses are decent losses. Um, I'm not hanging my head because of them. If I'm NC State, you expect to be in that Elite Eight conversation at the end of the year. Automatic, yes. Now, here's a team that don't have three losses on the season. What am I talking about? Number 12, Ohio State. They had a little close of a game of uh, playing the fight in Illini. This was 67 for Ohio State and uh, 59 for, for Illinois. Uh, but when you look at Ohio State, man, they got so many great players. McMahon and everything. Sheldon, Taylor, uh, looking great. 17-25-14. Only three losses on the season and everything. They're making it do what it do at 12. You just run off that momentum of beating an Iowa. Mm-hmm. It shows what you're capable of. Um, other than that, like I with a lot of these teams, it's just getting to the big dance. Um, but they have something that boosts them a little bit more. Beating a team that you expect to be there at the end. Mm-hmm. We've already done it. So when you run into that big monster in that big dance, you're not as concerned. Right, right. You coming in there uh, knowing and feeling that you can you can win. You got belief. We're up on you already. Yeah, absolutely. You now, have to prove that you can beat us, not the other way around. <laughs> yes. Listen, now this is – and when you think about this next team that I'm about to mention when it comes to women's college basketball, you think of the men's team, okay? But listen, they got a women's team as well. Gonzaga only has two losses on the season. They sitting at 19-2. 19 and 2, baby. All right, ranked number 17 right now. Put up 82 against Santa Clara. Now, when you think about this Gonzaga team, man, okay? Hey, listen, you got one, two, three, four, five out of the uh out of the six people that started on this thing. Uh double dibs. Double, double. Them is twins. 
<laughs> exactly. So it, KT, KT. That, that, that show you what kind of uh, chemistry they going to have. Mm-hmm. But um, when you think of Gonzaga, you think of basketball, period. Now that they got a women's team in this top 25, like you said, they only lost two games. And I'm pretty sure that 17th ranking is because nobody thought of Gonzaga women's basketball. Now they're putting themselves right in that mix. Uh, we understand what conference they play in, too. That West Coast Conference is kind of weaker, so they should have an easier path. And that just get there, and you don't know. You don't know, man. Like you say, it's like it's such it's so even and the talent is so spread out and everything. The adjustments and everything that's made and everything. Every single game is fun to watch. Looking at this team, they're made up of five seniors. Right. Five Experience in the starting lineup. Experience. It, Experience they, counts. It, you're not going to show them nothing that they haven't seen. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. And that's the thing you haven't heard about Gonzaga basketball, women's basketball. But I'm pretty sure these four, these four, these five ladies have built this thing with blood, sweat, and tears for these past four, four years. Exactly, man. And continuity is so key when it comes to the game of basketball. You know who else has only two losses on the season right now? Who's that? Syracuse at number 22. All right, Syracuse took care of Notre Dame this night at 79 and 65. Listen, when you think about Syracuse, man, fair, man, 25 points, Woolley. And Rice, both of them in double digits, man. Don't sleep on them as well. Syracuse is a tough team, man. Tough catch. Yeah, and, and it's a good win against a Notre Dame team who's um, – they started off pretty highly ranked. And with the four losses, I think they're just steadily dropping down. But they're still a formidable team that you got to respect. Um, and Syracuse, the same thing as with Gonzaga, a team that was not expected to have such a good season this year. Um, I want to say they're still in that ACC conference, so they get a chance to play some of these better teams, including this Notre Dame team, and they're taking advantage of it. Right. Love it, man. You know we're going to have to finish it up with this one right here. Uh, yeah, listen, UNC, baby, them Tar Heels, them Lady Tar Heels did a great job beating Miami, man, 66-61. to 61, uh, With uh, Like you said, UNC is ranked number 20 at a record of 15-5. and five. But when I look at this, I am so happy to see that uh, UNC got so much more production out of their center, man, okay? Got 13 points, and they, they really did need that. And everybody else, you know, you got the, what, five top players and everything, all all of their starters was in double digits. We already know what Kelly can do. We already know what Usby can do and everything. But that center position, I told you, was key. And it looked like she's finally coming around saying, I got to score two for this team to win. Yeah, um, this was one of the more aggressive games that she had. Was it Just feed me down here. I'm going to make a move. Um, the one thing that concerns me about this is the literally one point off the bench. Mm-hmm. Literal one point off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, want a sister to go with it, too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you also was 0 for 5 combined. <laughs> and we was just talking about a team such as South Carolina. Short on the pine. You can't do that. Right. And expect to to be able to make a deep run. That is true. Listen, we still got some games that's going to be played tonight, okay? I hope a girl Cameron Briggs is back, man. You know, I know she was nursing a little bit of an injury. Uh, and then, you know, uh, Tara Vanderveer, hey, listen, uh, what at 12.03, let it be. Keep going, keep going. Train down the line. All right, you got 17-2 Stanford against Arizona State tonight. What you think, man? Um, I think even if... Uh, Brink doesn't dress up. They have enough to get this game taken care of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just got to go out there and, and do 
Play that style of basketball. Right, exactly. And that's a great style of it, man. You know, got a great coach, and, a, a great, you know, a team and a university there. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Having a great coach in, in, in place is not really too dependent on one player. Right. They don't base their teams off of that. I've been doing enough, long enough to know that adjustments are key and everything. You see something, you need to do something about it and take away uh, whatever the other team does best. But that's any 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 game that you play. Uh, uh, Colorado's back in action, man. Okay, number three, Colorado, sixteen and two, going against Oregon State at t- fifteen and three. Uh, I, we Colorado has just been impressive this whole game, but this is a big big game, conference game um, against a team who's trying to include their name in these top group of teams. Um, it, it should just be exciting. Colorado's going to have to do – they're going to have to shoot the ball well, which they've done all season, and it'll be a, it's going to have to be a full-team effort. They do those things, they should be in control of this one. Right. Now, when you think about this next matchup and everything, uh, you know how we feel about Alyssa Peely and everything. She didn't have a really good, a real good game when it came to beating UCLA, but it, it, she did take care of business. The whole entire team took care of business at home. Do you feel that she have a, ba- a bounce back game against Oregon? Yeah. Uh, just the play style she has, she's very aggressive when it comes to getting to where she wants to get to, taking the shots she wants. Um, and you have those games where it's not as impressive when you play that style. Right. You're not going to make 100% of shots every day. Mm-hmm. Um, but just her play style and her physicality as well as getting on rebounds, getting offensive putbacks, things like that, I think she's fine. Okay. And like you say, she's a great player, man. And great players, that's what they do. They come back and, and bounce back. Uh, listen, UCLA is in action against Washington. You know, UCLA, we just talked about that UCLA-Utah uh, youth game, and we see how intensified that was. Uh, UCLA, you think they're going to get it done against Washington? Yeah. Um, Washington's spiraling right now. Uh, I want to say they're on a four-game losing streak. Uh, UCLA is trying to keep a hold of being one of those top two, three, four teams in the nation. Mm-hmm. So I think they come out with that um, in mind. They lost to a good uh, Utah team. They want to bounce back from that loss. And I got, they didn't play bad in that game. They got some production. We was talking about Gabriela Hockey, Triple J's little sister. I think that she had 20 points off the bit. So they, they got talent. Uh, it's evidence in their ranking. Um, you just take care of business. And that's the thing when you play these lesser teams. All right, we understand. I think they're twelve and five, but understand they're coming in on four game losing streak. They are gonna come in with extra intensity, trying to break that losing streak. You have to be who you be true to yourself. Right, and and that goes a very long way. And last but not least, man, USC, man, you got a girl Juju, all right, uh, and uh, against Washington State, all right. So you you tell me how you feel about what you think Juju gonna do tonight? Um, same thing. I think she she pretty much does her. She has her usual twenty five points games and anything like that. Uh, but I do think she tries to be more efficient this game. I think she tries to be more of a playmaker this game. They're on a two-game losing streak uh, against two of the better teams in the nation, Utah and Colorado. Um, Y'all are sitting at six or nine, I think. Oh, y'all done dropped down to 11. Mm -hmm. So you're trying to right the curve that you guys are on right now. Right, right. Uh, do you think um, uh, in in other news right now, I want to know, do you think that it'll be a good fit for Russell 
Wilson to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers? Think about it. Um, it's not the. Let me rephrase that. Because I was going to say it's not the it's not the prettiest of situations. But when you look at it, you do have a a, a George Pickens. Mm-hmm. You do have a, a Najee Harris, Jalen Warren out there. So it's a two running back room. Um, and you have a formidable defense. Right. But the selling point for me, bigger than all that, you have Mike Tomlin. For Russell, it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. For Pittsburgh, it's kind of rolling that dice on present versus future. Yeah. I mean, how much trade is left on the tire, man, when it comes to uh, Russell Wilson anyway? That's exactly what you're going to have to think about. But it gives you a mentor for Kenny Pickett. Mm -hmm. Somebody for him to sit behind and learn from. Um, He is a Super Bowl champion. Right. So in that aspect, it can work. But how much does he want to come? You can't handcuff yourself when it comes to building out the rest of that roster. Right, that is true, but you know he's going to land somewhere, okay? Yeah, it went bad in Denver. We already know that, man, but it's it's still uh, just trying to figure out maybe his landing spot, man, because like you say, it, it not too much time left, but uh, a quarterback that can come in and make an immediate impact. He has to, and I, I still think, and it just has to, it's some things that has to fall in place because um, you look at Washington, it depends on who they coach, they bring in and what they want to do. Even Seattle, I'm, I'm pretty sure the Russell Wilson experiment is done out there in Seattle, but it's still, are they going forward with Geno Smith? And they still have to find a coach there. Atlanta, do you go in the draft or do you bring in a vet like Russell Wilson? Or do you go trade for a younger guy who has been around the league and in Chester Fields? So it's, it's, I just think it's more things that have to play out. Uh, Las Vegas, what are they going to do with Jimmy G? Um, it, I think it's just more things that has to play out before Russell Wilson becomes a big part of a team's next decision. And that makes sense, man. You know, hey, when we see it, what, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about it. Hey, hey, listen, in other news, man, you got an AO update. How you feel about that AO update and with that Australian Open and what done happened down there? Um, it'll be something interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, that makes sense and everything. Now, and also, when you think about it and everything, we know that uh, Coco Golf got bounced by uh, Sabalinka. Uh, was, she made a nice, great run and everything. She said it's going to be a learning experience and everything for her. We know that Naomi Osaka, she done made her comeback and everything. She got bounced a little bit earlier in the tournament. That's fine. Uh, she's just getting her legs back up under. I think she's in that new Dubai. She may have got a wild card presence from that and everything. She will be playing there. Uh, congratulations, Naomi, for coming back. Uh, we love to see you play. Keep it up, keep your head up, keep making sure that you do exactly what it do. This will take time to mesh, but she's a great player. She's a great athlete, and I'm pretty sure that she's an even excellent, even greater mom. Yeah. So we love you, Naomi. Yeah, it is happy. we're just happy to see you back on the court. Absolutely. Listen, don't worry about what they say. Just play. Hey, we would like to thank everyone for listening today. Yeah, yeah. Please join us again on our next episode of the Donald and Donald Podcast. <laughs> what you always say, baby. Don't they listen? Listen. Don't be what you say. Don't worry about your win. Just know that it's coming. Exactly. Don't worry about your win. Know that it's coming. Don't meet us there. Beat us there. And you know I got you know what it is. Please remember to drink your water and don't forget to stretch. Yeah. See y'all next episode. Double D. <laughs> yeah.